What's going on, everybody? My name is Rob, and I'm the host of The Curated Culture, a weekly podcast dedicated to dissecting the latest and greatest news from around the world of tech and pop culture. Now, we all know the internet can be a busy, noisy place, so let us calm that noise for you. Join us as we discuss the latest and greatest topics from the people and sources that matter most. Check us out every Thursday as we jump into fresh, original content, new interviews, and a host of other subjects that we know you'll find interesting. So jump in whatever your favorite podcast app is and search The Curated Culture. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And in the meantime, we'll catch y'all on the air. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. to Realistic Sustainability Educational Shorts. How much energy is in your steak? No, seriously. How much energy is in your steak? I know we're used to saying calories, but that's how much energy we get from it. How much energy is in the steak? So when I say that, I don't mean what you get from it. I mean what went into creating it. That's one of those discussions about embodied energy. This week, I've been doing a lot of double checking on embodied energy because we're speaking about it and getting it in our episodes more and more each week. But it reminded me, I used to eat a lot of steak. I eat very little steak now. Some of that is the market itself, but a big chunk of it is I don't need it. There's other options. Steak is one of the highest in embodied energy, or it's one of the highest in kilograms per CO2 equivalent, which is Again, we're looking for new measurements on how to explain to people how much has been put into getting the steak. If you listen to the show with Nick and I, we've talked about how forests are completely removed just to add more cattle. That is one of the leading industries when it comes to damaging our environment or embodied energy, which by the way, embodied energy doesn't take into account any of the ecological damage. So when cattle is number one in all foods as highest embodied energy, the most inputs to get something out, it doesn't even count any of the ecological damage, not any of the disruptions to the ecosystem, none of. So sometimes I have to go back and talk embodied energy. Also on top of that, in science, it's so complex, they've started separating it to embodied energy as the physical or material inputs, and then there's operational energy for processes. But it used to be when I was in college, that was all one. It was just harder and harder to calculate. I think they've done this to kind of simplify it. In other words, divide and conquer, if you will. But when we talk about embodied energy, it is quite literally everything it took to get it to you. Everything within its life cycle, from the concept to putting in the pastures and getting the beef cattle together, the food and water that you use in the process and all the machinery, everything is involved. When we talk embodied energy, we're just talking how much energy that we take from the outside world and push it into this cow so that later it could become your steak. Every mode of transportation, the freezers, all of it. 
So the complete life cycle until you until it shows up on a plate in front of you. That's what we talk about. Most of the time you see kilojoules, which is basically just a measurement of calories. In the U.S. we use calories. In most of the worlds they use kilojoules. It's calculated like one, I think it's one kilojoule per, per 0.2 calories. So when you start looking at these things, those are really just the caloric intake or the amount of energy we get from something. But when I was doing the research, the funny part was I stopped to think everything is measured in three ounces. Anybody who listens to the show knows that I've worked on slowly reducing the amount of ounces I have of meat on my plate. There's plenty of vegetables I can pile on as much as I want, but I'm trying to slowly reduce the meat. So that means more potatoes. It means more Brussels sprouts or so on and so forth. The basic measurement from the rest of the world is three ounces. But if you go to a restaurant in the United States, they pride themselves on having more, on giving more, on having this massive amount of food in one space. So three ounces isn't even close. I think the minimum I see when I go to restaurants is at least six, but often nine or even 10 to 12 ounces of meat and almost always steaks are measured in those ounces. So in the United States, we're not even remotely close to how most people consume beef. It's almost three quarters of a pound or a half pound every time we eat. Nine ounces, 10 ounces, 12 ounces. So when you start looking at the math, it gets a little ugly because even when you're doing CO2 equivalent ratings, yeah, beef is by far number one, but it's also done in 100 grams, which is three and a half ounces which in the normal sitting for someone in the United States is at least double, minimum, at least double that amount. And that was something that just kind of hit me. Like we are so bad at portion control in this country. We actually pride ourselves on over portioning. And when I start looking at CO2 equivalents or energy consumption or any of these things to kind of get an idea to discuss it with you guys about any of these sustainability factors, we are so grossly out of whack with most countries that it's, it's kind of painful. It's a little sad and it bothers me when I take a look at it. When I look at CO2 equivalent, an apple, and again, this is a calculation of how much energy slash greenhouse gases are going into a process to get you something. But an apple, 0.06 kilograms of CO2 equivalent. Fish, which has its own problems in its own industries. I know that. We've got the scope shrunk down to numbers. 1.34 kilograms CO2 equivalent. Next, chicken. 1.82 kilograms of CO2 equivalent. This is something that I eat on a regular basis to minimize my beef intake. Then comes lamb. Lamb is like the second highest at 5.8 CO2 equivalent. Beef, on the other hand, it isn't even in the same hemisphere as the rest of these, not even the same planet, universe, how whatever scale we want to use to show how out of whack beef is. Beef, 15.5 kilograms CO2 equivalent three times greater than lamb, which is a number two. And we wonder why, as they say, there's an attack on the beef industry. Well, the beef industry has been attacking this planet for how long? We know that cattle is the number one reason for deforestation. We know that the amount of energy and water that goes into raising a cow to give us a steak is astoundingly crazy. That the fields that we use eliminate all concepts of biodiversity. 
but they actually don't become more fertile because even though there's droppings from those cows, there's nothing to hold it to the surface. The ground starts to become a desert, starts to crack because what is happening is, is that the foliage is constantly attacked and rain washes the topsoil away. Our steak has a normal amount of calories, but what it doesn't have is a normal amount of energy input. It is skewed so far out of whack that the amount of effort or energy put into our steak is three times greater than what we would consider to be big. That most chicken and fish fall into the under two grams of CO2 equivalent beef, 15.5. Every time we look at beef, we see a number well and above where anything should be. These are the kinds of things that mortgage the future for our children and grandchildren. We're taking resources that aren't ours. And when I say that, let me explain a little bit. There's a line. There's a line in the sand. And we can take resources all the way up to equilibrium, up to a point in which it doesn't hurt anything. Once we cross that line, we're taking from the future. We're creating a negative feedback loop. We're damaging more. Well, we're damaging. Where if you hold it up to this equilibrium line, this point of sustainability, this point of balance, we're okay but we're nowhere near that line. We have jumped over that line and, and raced as fast as we can in the other direction, which means resource-wise, energy-wise, climate sustainability-wise, all of these things, we're mortgaging the future of future generations. And remember, the definition of sustainability is to be able to manage our own needs without taking away future generations' ability to manage theirs. And that is what we are doing. We're pushing for infinite growth on a finite planet. And out of all of the foods, if you had to pick one food to skip, it looks like, statistically, it's beef. Beef is the one food that we can say no to, substitute with something else, or greatly limit. Because again, in realistic sustainability, one of the things we talk about is getting better and not just diving in head first and maybe not maintaining what you're doing. So just reduce it, nearly eliminate it, only have it on special occasions, whatever it is. Or like myself, continue to reduce the, the amount of ounces in my total amount. That is my goal. I've gotten way better. Now, I've never gotten to the point where I've always wanted to eat like my brother. My, not Nick, Sean. My brother Sean has gotten to a point where he's just about a vegetarian. I'd love to get to that point, but I have gotten down to the four ounces, five ounces, and greatly reduced. I tell you these things about the numbers. I tell you these things about these industries so we can make better decisions. Yeah, going to a restaurant includes a lot of embodied energy no matter what you get, but it can be a little less with the fish than it does with the steak. And knowing that will help you make better decisions. Will it mean that you'll never get a steak? No. Some of you never will, and I will admire that. Others will make that decision every once in a while. But if we all made those decisions every once in a while, the industry would decline, and there wouldn't be a need to continue to rip down rainforest, to continue to degrade land, and to continue to invest far more energy than what we get back out of it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this short. Although, I'm sure you didn't enjoy it. I hope it was informative. How about we say that? If you'd like to help Realistic Sustainability, then leave us a five-star review. Jump on iTunes or whatever. Uh, Spotify actually has it now where you can just jump on and give us the five-star review. And it might even lead to other people 
maybe not those who constantly study sustainability, giving us a shot. Then it allows them to learn some of these things and expand our, our positive footprint. You can also join our Patreon. Nick and I just started one. There's only a few people on it, but we're starting to interact, put photos. There's an opportunity for people to, to know who we are a little bit more or even ask questions. So for as little as a dollar a month, you can join the Patreon and maybe even get a voice in some of the next topics that we're going to do here soon. As more and more people filter in, we'll start taking some of the top three to five topics and let everybody vote. And those will be the ones that we record. So thank you all for listening. We do greatly appreciate it. I wish there was a better way for me to say it so you really understood, but we do. We're completely honored that anyone takes the time to listen to us. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, we only get together each week to get a little bit better. Little bit, little bit, big bit. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week.